1: Here's your host, Radical Russ Melville.
3: All right, good day, Tokers and Tokets and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Friday, May 13th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Although 420 is still two hours, 20 minutes away because I am on Alaska time. We are coming to you live from Potluck Events, your Alaska 420 headquarters, literally at West 3rd, 420 West 3rd Avenue. Although the place is kind of empty right now, we're sitting here with the owner operator, Teresa Collins. Hi, Teresa. Oh, wait, i got to turn your mic on. There we go. Try that again.
2: <laughs> Hi, Russ.
3: Oh, you sound so much better that way. Uh, yes, I am high. As a matter of fact, Baked Alaska was here earlier, and we had a wake-and-bake brunch for the Northwest Cannabis Classic with, well, tell us some of the stuff that was uh, available today.
2: Oh, there was French toast, there was biscuits and gravy, bacon, and then they had Bloody Mary Janes. Uh,
3: that's that's my uh, downfall. I've been having Bloody Mary Janes all day. <laughs> Infused, non-alcoholic uh, but everything else you need for a, 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 you know, Bloody Mary. You got your tomato juice and your, uh, you know, celery and the hot sauce and... Infused and my goodness, really good stuff. So we've only got a couple minutes because you got so much to do, I know, here <laughs> for the Northwest Cannabis Classic. But give people the rundown on what uh, this center is all about.
2: Um, so Potluck Events is a private club where you're allowed to bring your own cannabis and consume it. And we have um, almost 5,000 members. We opened a year ago in Alaska, and it's been an amazing experience. And we're very involved in getting this industry started in Alaska. So we're excited about the Northwest Cannabis Classic this oh, yeah. weekend. We're a sponsor, and um, sponsoring the VIP parties, and um, we'll have a booth. So it's going to be awesome.
3: Northwest Cannabis Classic is taking place uh, Saturday and Sunday at the Denina Center. I'm emceeing, so I'll be... Uh Talking to all of the people that are uh, speaking and on panels and uh, doing the awards ceremony as well. Looking forward to that. And I got to say, Teresa, I I fly two hundred thousand air miles, twenty five states. There is no finer cannabis club than this one right here.
2: Well, thank you. you guys so are, much, are awesome. <laughs> Thanks.
3: We've got. I'm looking at a bar that has uh, a candy rack where you'd normally find liquor bottles. Here's a dab bar. There's uh, you know some table seating, but also lots of luxurious chairs. I love that you came up with come large chairs for people to just hang out with
2: yeah it was really important to make it comfortable for people to come and hang out and chill and have a good time
3: about how many people do you usually get here a day
2: Um, so our average is about 40 when we have big events it's uh, closer to about 200 Mm. on 420 we had 508 so that was our biggest to date
3: so it is a private club tell people how they can join the club and what your hours are
2: Um, yep you can go to www.potluckeventsak.com our membership information is there. And we are open right now, Wednesday through Saturday, 6 p.m. to 11. But we're looking at uh, expanding our hours and we'll update our website and our Facebook with that
3: you got to make your way up to Anchorage, Alaska and this, uh, this time of year, the sun's up all the time, so uh, it's always a good time. You can get your 420 Alaska Adventure right here at Potluck Events and big thanks to Teresa Collins for having us here on the sh- uh, to be able to do our show from this uh, fantastic venue. Uh, we'll be at the, uh, what place later tonight?
2: Um, we're going to be at Flat Top Pizza at 6 o'clock and then afterwards we're all going to come back over here and we're having a big blackout party.
3: Oh yeah, I saw him setting up for that, folks. It's going to be really cool 420 West 3rd Avenue, Anchorage, Alaska, Potluck Events, a.k.com. Teresa Collins, thanks for having us here, and uh, we're going to take a break. Thank you for being on the show.
2: All right. Thanks, Russ.
3: All right. When we come back, we'll have our cannabis radio news and all the rest of our regular segments. Our guest coming up at half past, ironically enough, or coincidentally enough, I should say, Charlotte Green will be joining us talking about her Cannabis Diversity Summit. So stay tuned. You're listening to The Russ Belville Show live from Alaska.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
4: Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com.
2: flavor. Tommy Chong Show on Cannabis Radio. You know about this podcast. What I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet.
4: The Tommy Chong Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world,
1: world, world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: Christian convictions are under attack
1: as never before. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News, covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now, your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News.
3: This is your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, May thirteenth, two 2016. Falcon, Colorado. A Colorado Springs area school district will now allow students who rely on medical marijuana to take doses at school. The Falcon District 49 school board unanimously approved the policy Thursday. Parents or state licensed caregivers, but not school staffers, would be allowed to give students non-inhalable forms of marijuana, such as edibles and oils. All Colorado schools would be required to allow such medicinal marijuana use under a bill passed by state lawmakers and awaiting the governor's signature. Governor John Hickenlooper has said he supports it. Falcon's policy was inspired by the suspension of a disabled student who accidentally brought cannabis pills to school in his lunch. He uses medical marijuana to treat his seizures. Athens, Georgia. Chauncey Rivers, a sophomore defensive lineman for the University of Georgia football team, has been dismissed from the team for his third marijuana violation in seven months. Quote, it's extremely disappointing, head coach Kirby Smart said in a statement. He's been given previous opportunities to remain on our football team, but continues to exhibit a lack of good judgment and commitment to the standards we require and expect from our players. He's put himself in a difficult position, but we hope he finds a path that will provide some direction in his future. End quote. All of River's marijuana charges have been for possession of less than an ounce. Los Angeles, California, Speedweed, a medical marijuana delivery service, has been the second such company shut down by the city in the wake of Proposition D. The voter-approved May 2013 legislation prohibited delivery services, resulting first in the shuttering of Nest Drop. Some 25,000 consumers have made use of the services, which allow selection of flour, edibles, and concentrates through an online menu and checkout system. Delivery logistics were patterned from Domino's Pizza and FedEx in an operation the city attorney's office called, quote, sophisticated and wide-ranging, end quote. Aurora, Colorado. The Colorado City of Aurora will use some of its $4.5 million windfall from marijuana taxes to help the homeless. Aurora City Council members earmarked $220,000 to Colfax Community Network, a nonprofit that helps low-income families living in motels and apartments for the rest of this year's operating expenses. Another $1.5 million will be provided for the city's 2017 and 2018 budget for homeless services, doubling that budget. The funds were generated by Aurora's marijuana sales taxes and will provide Comatis Crisis Center and Aurora Mental Health with vans to further their homeless outreach. Walton, England... A wheelchair-bound man growing cannabis to treat his chronic pain from a spinal tumor was shot in the chest by an attacker last September. Now he is facing prosecution in Liverpool Crown Court for maintaining an illegal Class B drug factory. Neil Burton, age 41, had been diagnosed with the tumor nine years ago, spent 14 months in the hospital, and then began smoking marijuana for the pain. But debts to his suppliers eventually got him coerced into maintaining the grow operation in his home, according to his barrister. When Burton called the police after being shot, their investigation led them to the cannabis farm. The judge suspended both years of Burton's two-year prison sentence, showing mercy on the man who spent another two months in the hospital after the shooting. Sydney, Australia. The premier of New South Wales, Mike Baird, will open the United in Compassion Medicinal Cannabis Symposium, the first such medical marijuana expo in Australia. The conference, organized by an Australian mother who lost her son to cancer, takes place over two days at Rosehill Gardens in West Sydney. New South Wales recently passed legislation allowing the cultivation of medicinal cannabis and has already applied for a license to grow the cannabis under an Australian medical system. Anchorage, Alaska. Alaska will soon become the first state in the nation to allow customers to smoke pot and consume marijuana edibles at authorized retail stores. But rules governing this are still being hammered out with state regulators who considered regulations Wednesday. Any recommendations would be subject to public comment. Among the items regulators considered will be how to separate smoking areas in stores from the sales side. And then there's the question of what happens to the pot you buy to smoke or eat on the premises but don't finish. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, May thirteenth, 2016. I'm Russ Belleville.
6: Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Voober vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, VUBER vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the VUBER way.
3: Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal
1: drugs. Marijuana is not addictive, but listening to the Russ Bellville Show is... Coming soon to a city near you,
3: Cannabis Finance Boot Camp... Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis business boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis business needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com.
1: The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus.
3: Today in the Cannabis Focus, we take a look at the development of the cannabis laws in the state of California where a new new legislation that's been passed, uh, the Medical Marijuana uh, Acts, the MMRSA, that uh, dictate by 2018 medical marijuana dispensaries will have to have these licenses. The problem that exists, though comes to us from the most famous medical marijuana dispensary, which is Harborside Health Center, run by Steve D'Angelo. And the problem is this. Back in 2001, Steve D'Angelo was part of a 200-pound marijuana delivery, of which uh, D'Angelo received 10 pounds to distribute to other medical marijuana patients. Problem being, this was not California. This was Maryland. Maryland. And this was 2001, long before Maryland had a medical marijuana law. So he got uh, swooped up in this uh, cannabis buy and got convicted of felony possession of marijuana with intent to sell. Well, fast forward to 2016, and Harborside is the largest medical marijuana dispensary in the United States. And this new MMRSA law, by 2018, that requires him to get a license— says that the state can deny licenses to people who have drug felonies on their records. This could include 25 to 30% of the California Growers Association. That's 500 members uh, of cannabis cultivators in the state. So we're talking a large swath of the most talented, the most skilled cannabis cultivators being unable to be a part of this new market. So it's an illogical regulation in the first place to bust people or to to further punish people. To me, it seems if you got busted for cannabis cultivation back when it was illegal, then you've been punished. You've had your punishment. You did jail time or probation or paid fines or whatever it might have been. And you managed to get the black mark of having a felony on your record that makes it so much harder to get loans and credit and jobs and so forth, security clearances. But now to also deny those people an opportunity to take what they were doing and now put it into the legal business makes no sense whatsoever. Shouldn't the point of legalization be to bring people into the market, bring people into the economy, bring them into where it's regulated and taxed and inspected? And certainly, Harborside has been regulated and inspected and overseen. Uh, its operations have been cited by many as a model to be followed. So it's not as if Steve D'Angelo is trying to, you know, skirt the laws or anything. He's always been as as above board and and cooperative with the city of Oakland and the other cities that he works with. So that can't be the issue. And then of course, there's the other. Unintended consequence of this, which is the, uh, the consequence of our criminal justice system being racist in a systemic way, means that disproportionately the people who have been busted and convicted of these marijuana crimes are going to be minorities. So we, in effect, with these laws that disqualify people with the ability to grow cannabis or sell cannabis, to disqualify those who've already been busted is to de facto be racistly disqualifying many qualified people here in in a disproportionate way. So it falls disproportionately, as I say, on the minority communities. This is something that's been addressed. Uh, There has been a bill that has been put forth by Assemblyman Rob Bonta. He's of Oakland. And people are calling it the Steve D'Angelo bill because it's been written in such a way that Steve D'Angelo could get a license. And that's great for Steve D'Angelo, but why don't we just change these laws so that anybody who's been busted gets a license? Should it just be an exception for the biggest fish in the pond? In fact, they don't even try to deny that was the point. Uh, in the law that was signed, uh, it said that they were putting this thing together. or Sorry, not the law that was signed, but uh, the, the bill that they've put forth here has been put forth largely because they say D'Angelo is such a large economic mover in the state that it would hurt the state if we didn't allow him to have a license. So uh, that shouldn't, that's part of the problem with our justice system as well is that this whole money talks attitude that somebody who's got millions of dollars in dispensary sales could get a different system of justice than the guy who got busted running a small operation out of his house or, you know, selling on the street. So why do we do this if you ask me we should be doing precisely the opposite of this we should be adding points to people's uh applications if they've been busted in the past if they've had to serve time in the past this ought to be a form of reparations to our drug war pow's to those who were caught up in the criminal justice system busting them for something that never should have been illegal in the first place. This should be a way that this could be a way that we could also help those minority communities that have been so devastated by the war on drugs by disproportionately awarding the licenses to those people, to the people who've been most affected, to the people whose lives have been busted, whose families have been racked by their convictions for marijuana crimes that should not be crimes. And for those who did those same activities, but didn't get busted. Do you feel that that's unfair? Well, you didn't get busted. You didn't have to have your life overturned and you managed to make some prohibition profit while you were doing it. So I wouldn't complain too much about my affirmative action plan for helping people who were busted for weed.
1: One major responsibility
6: is to encourage people to
1: use less drugs. All right, folks, that sound
3: means that it's 420 in the Mountain Time Zone. Happy 420 to the folks in Denver, Colorado. I tell you, listening to George W. Bush, these days after Donald Trump, you kind of miss the guy, don't you? Okay, maybe not, but still. (laughs) We're going to take a break, and when we come back, some drug war data mining. The states are still looking for a magic number for driving while impaired. We're going to talk about why there is no such thing.
6: We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio.
5: Dr. Daver, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's-
4: Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh, my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people.
1: Okay. Maybe you're high, too.
3: New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Today in the Data Mines, we take a look at the New York Times, which this week has uh, kind of been focusing a lot on marijuana. They had a story yesterday where they finally discovered dabbing. (laughs) Yeah, folks, wow, it's 2016. You finally discovered dabbing. Good job, New York Times. There's some journalism. But uh, today in the Times, they have a headline, How Much Is Too Much Marijuana to Drive? Lawmakers Wonder. And lawmakers can continue to wonder because there is no answer to that. They begin with the comparison to the breathalyzer and the 0.08 blood alcohol content that that marks someone as too impaired to drive in all 50 states. And I could even go off on that a little bit. There is variation in human tolerance for alcohol, but it's been generally accepted because the science shows that it is a dose-dependent relationship. The more you drink, the drunker you get. And that's generally applicable. But also an important factor in this is that alcohol is a water-soluble drug that leaves the system and is metabolized by the system at a fairly consistent rate depend- without any dependence on how much experience you have with alcohol, how much you drank, how often you drink. It's a pretty predictable uh, release. There are variations in humans. Right, there's different ends of the bell curve. There's the petite ballerina who can't have a half glass of champagne before she passes out, and then there's the obese alcoholic who can chug three steins of beer and he's just fine. But you know, talking generally and as what we'd accept as good science, most people are going to be too impaired at .08 to be reliable drivers. So the problem is, is for so long we've been promoting this as treat marijuana like alcohol, treat marijuana like alcohol, and so now they want. The breathalyzer, like where's the alcohol number for marijuana? And the problem is, is that marijuana ain't alcohol. THC is a lipid soluble drug. It stays in the fat and the body holds to it. Isn't that interesting how all the other drugs, your body flushes them out as fast as they can, but THC, it wants to hold to? That's because we have an endocannabinoid system and our body uses this for its homeostasis. It maintains the systems throughout the body. But when it comes to trying to find a number that's going to tell you that someone's too impaired, it just cannot be found. And this is not my opinion. This is science. There's a study that's been recently commissioned by AAA, the Auto Club. The AAA Foundation for Traffic Safety found that the laws, the per se DUID laws that we have in Montana, Washington, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Nevada, in those states, it's per se, which means you're above their number And you're automatically guilty of being too impaired. In Washington state, it's five nanograms. I believe in Montana, Pennsylvania and no, Montana, Ohio, Nevada, it's two nanograms and Pennsylvania, I think it's one. Maybe I'm shuffled those on the wrong state, but we're talking numbers five and below. Okay. Folks, I wake up. Over five, I I guarantee after a long sleep, I'm still waking up over five because I'm a big guy, you know, about 40 pounds overweight and I smoke weed all the time. So there's always at least five nanograms in my system. But by no means, am I too impaired to drive when I wake up after not having smoked all night? So uh, Colorado also has a five nanogram limit. It's called a a rebuttable presumption, which means five nanograms says you're guilty, but you can argue against it. It's not an automatic guilty, but it's uh, something you have to fight a defense against. So AAA, this traffic safety study, says these laws ought to be tossed out entirely. They're unscientific. There is no scientific basis. In fact, the uh, uh, director of traffic safety advocacy and research, his name Jake Nelson, says, quote, There is no concentration of the drug that allows us to reliably predict that someone is impaired behind the wheel in any way that we can with alcohol, end quote. He continues by saying the practical reality of identifying, evaluating, arresting, and sampling suspected impaired drivers means that the THC concentration measured in the blood specimen reflects neither the concentration in the subject's blood at the time of arrest nor the concentration of the active drug in the brain, end quote. So it's not proving anything other than the fact that someone is a pot smoker. That's all that we're finding. So these are a law that allow the police and the criminal justice system to continue to discriminate against cannabis consumers who aren't committing any crime but being a cannabis consumer in this case. The fact that they're driving does not mean that they are impaired. Now, you'll hear some junk statistics that will go with this. You'll hear a recent uh, uh, study showing Washington State had a doubling of the number of pot-impaired drivers in fatal traffic accidents. Well, first of all, the doubling was from like 36 to 70, right? So we're still talking a a very small number versus a state with over, I think it was 4,000 traffic fatalities. So we're still talking a small number. And of those 70, most of them had another substance in their system, usually alcohol. And we know that alcohol is the cause of a lot of these wrecks. All we're finding when we're finding more people in wrecks that have have THC in their system is more people with THC in their system. That's all we're finding. And given that you legalize marijuana, giving people more readily ready access to it, the more likely there's a chance you're going to catch them at a time when there's some in their system. But that again does not tell us that they were too impaired to drive at the time or it had any causal relationship to the wreck itself and it's very, very heartening to me that the New York Times is portraying this in a fair and accurate way with all of these uh, with all of these stories that are coming out because now, as legalization progresses, our opponents are going to try to use the fear of mayhem on the freeways to retard the progress of these laws and we've got to stand up for the science that clearly shows and has shown since the 1990s when the national highway traffic safety administration came out with their cannabis safety data sheets and said it was inadvisable to try to predict the effects of impairment by thc concentrations alone look legalization does not invent cars and driving, and it does not make driving while high legal. People have been busted before, so what is the point in changing the law? It already works. We're back with Charlotte Green right after this.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
4: Wowie Wowie, Acapulco Gold, California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network.
6: The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Voober vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way.
0: It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from SilverTour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com.
1: The Russ Belleville Show. Chat is for friends 18 and older. We expect our chat to be civil, mature, and free from excessive profanity. If you don't like these rules, there are approximately 6 billion other chat rooms with lower standards that you can visit. Activism begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's Activist
3: Agenda. Welcome back, everybody, for the Activist Agenda. We bring you one of my favorite Alaskan activists, and it's just odd that I'm up here in Alaska and she's not. But we've got on the telephone, Charlo Green is joining us. Hello, Charlo.
7: Hey there. Hey, how's it
3: going? It's fantastic. What a beautiful place you got up here. And uh, where are you calling us from, by the way?
7: I am calling you from Denver, Colorado.
3: Okay, because uh, you're in Denver, for what I understand, is a very important event that's taking place. Tell our listeners about what you got going on.
7: Well, we are holding the first Cannabis Diversity Summit. It's happening this Sunday at the Native Hotel in downtown Denver, Colorado, from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. We have activists and industry leaders and and just really innovative entrepreneurs all flying into Denver. They're all people of color um, that have found a way to carve out a space in this industry. And so we're all coming together to have a summit where we can share our own experiences and the knowledge that we've gained to people that usually wouldn't be able to afford access to this type of information. So in addition to all of us just coming in and sharing what we know, we're making the event completely free so that everyone can attend that really wants the opportunities that cannabis reform presents.
3: Oh, that is amazing. This Sunday uh, from 5 to 8 p.m. It's absolutely free. If you're in the Denver area, there's no reason not to come by. And, Charlo, I was looking over the uh, guest list you had up there online, and I saw my mentor, uh, Madeline Martinez, up on the list. Uh, tell us some of the other names that people can- will be hearing from.
7: Well, Madeline Martinez is phenomenal. She's going to be joined by Neil Franklin, the Executive Director of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, Jesse Horton, the Chairman of the Minority Cannabis Business Association. We also have people like Brandon Wyatt, who's an activist out in D.C. He works with DCMJ, the group responsible for D.C.'s decriminalization. Um, He's coming out, in addition to um, other entrepreneurs like Mojiwana that's the new text messaging emoji app that was actually created by a woman that lives out in Texas um, and activists of color out that way so she'll be joining us as well and we have Jake Cabrera from the legalized Ohio 2016 movement and just a number of really really um, great people we have doctors as well Dr. Rachel Knox, Dr. Lakeisha Jenkins and um, also a youth activist from D.C. that's been working in the Capitol and around the Capitol for for years now. So so it's a really well-rounded group, and we're planning on, instead of it being like every other summit or panel, instead of of it feeling that way, it's going to feel a lot like a a group conversation. So the set will look like a TV show set with a couch where – Everyone joins me on their specific panels, be it the medical panel, the criminal justice panel, the entrepreneurship panel, or advocacy, and we open it up and have a fluid conversation where members of the audience can come in and voice their opinions and their questions and get answers from the people that should have them in real time. Mm. So it should be a really, really interesting, um, really progressive feeling event that everyone should be able to walk away with some piece of of new knowledge they, they didn't have when they came.
3: We're speaking with Charlo Green. You remember her from Alaska, the fuck it, I quit lady who inspired so many of us with that act. I got to tell you, so many people have wanted to do that in their life. And Charlo, you kind of are a double threat, uh, a woman of color. And one of the things that we've found so far in the cannabis industry is uh, a representation of women in the top uh, executive levels at a much greater concentration than men. I think it's still just 40%, but like in the in the mainstream, it's like 13 or something like that. So uh, what would you take from that to bring to the other side the the getting more minorities involved in the industry and maybe address some of the the regulatory hurdles that get in the way
7: well i think what jasmine Hupp and jane west were able to do is really phenomenal they championed um, the women in leadership positions in cannabis issue very early on and because of that they built this beautiful network of people, men and women, that are willing to stand up and speak out whenever they see any regulations being written that wouldn't help um, to further that platform. So we're doing the same thing, borrowing um, that sort of activism and just really making sure that it's tied with um, businesses that can also help to, to make our voices louder instead of just being advocates, it's also tying it in with people in positions to help us really make a difference. So I think that part is key, is just us that know that are on this side of the equation, being really active and reaching back out to members of our communities and letting them know it's okay, letting them know the opportunities are here, but that they won't be here now. So there's a level of personal responsibility that all of those um, of us that are taking um out the time to attend the cannabis diversity summit um, this Sunday uh, that we realize needs to be addressed and needs to be owned so we're we're taking that responsibility uh, responsibility upon ourselves to reach back and we're counting on the industry to to join arms with us and speak out against these insane barriers of entry that only continue getting higher and higher, which we know isn't going to allow an inclusive industry to form.
3: You know, and that's that's so well put because I I really appreciate you putting this on on Sunday, uh, five to eight in Denver, and it being an absolutely free event because that is one of the hurdles that we find in getting more people involved. Sometimes these business conferences three, five, seven hundred dollars to attend them, and then we talk about trying Mm -hmm. to get some of the licenses where they require you know million dollar bonds, and and most insidiously, you can't have previous convictions. And well, guess who gets convicted more often?
7: Exactly. Exactly. And that issue is something that still needs to be addressed in post-legalization era Colorado and Washington, if you've seen the recent statistics about the fact that minorities are still um, disproportionately arrested for uh, cannabis violations. So um, there's something that isn't being addressed. There's something that these votes that allow this industry to form um, yet still allow uh, uh, discretion, <laughs> the discretion of police who have only proven that they would police and, and that that would only result in, in blacks looking like we've been targeted. Uh-huh. Um, there's something wrong, something that, that we've been missing, and I hope that whatever it is comes to light this weekend so we as a community can, can act and can address it as legalization continues to progress.
3: Let's take a second and tell folks a little bit about what's happening with you, Charlo Green, and, and your endeavors aside from this uh, summit. I'm, I know you've always got a bunch of stuff going on. So you were recently down <laughs> under, weren't you?
7: Oh, no, not recently. I will be down under the first week of July, actually. Ah. I am so excited. The Melbourne Cannabis Collective, along with a few other advocacy organizations and um, cannabis um, industry groups down there. They're really, really excited that um, we're having a legalization or legalize it down under tour where we stop in Melbourne, Sydney, Byron Bay, and NimDim. So extremely excited about that. It's like a dream come true and to be going for such um, a righteous cause to further the movement. Uh, it couldn't be any sweeter than
3: that yeah it is starting to happen in australia we just did a new story on uh, new south wales uh g- moving forward with uh, medical cannabis cultivation so it's spreading all over the globe and we have great activists like you to help thank uh, for uh, passing this message around let's give people the contact info they need first for this uh event that's happening this sunday uh what's the website and, and how can they get
1: involved
7: they can head to either CannabisDiversitySummit.com. That'll send you over to go green. That's green with an E at the end of it, .org. You can head there. Um, you can show your support through the site in a number of different ways that we have outlined there, including sponsorships and just kind of showing up. Um, we're going to be live streaming this event on my website. at Charlogreen.com and also through my social media channels as well. So you can look forward to that. And um, if you're down under, um, <laughs> then I look forward to seeing you for the first week of July. But you can look out for that and um, a number of other projects, including my show, Charlotte's Place, which is actually what we're down in Denver shooting for, for the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, so it's a talk show focused on exploring the world of weed. Kind of like what you do, except we're going to be stationed um, right here in in Denver, looking like so. Fantastic! Are so you yeah, doing? Is, is this
3: a, a video program?
7: It is absolutely. we've okay. yeah, been I, doing a ton of different interviews. Next time you're in town, I would love, love, love to have you. Oh um, yeah, I'll, I'll. I for one, yeah, I just like to thank you for being the cannabis crusader out there, going to the places that that we need um, representatives just looking into these stories and and shining a light on them. You're a trusted voice in the industry, so keep doing what you do. I really appreciate it.
3: Well, Charlo, thank you so much, and and good luck with your video show because you certainly have the face for video. I'm going to stick with radio.
7: (laughs) (laughs) You you do radio. I'll be TV. We'll link up and and come up with something powerful.
3: That sounds great. Check out this uh, the Diversity Summit. Happening this Sunday, 5 to 8. You can go to GoGreen with an E on the end. GoGreen.com for more information. And uh, I am Charlo Green on Twitter. Anything else we need to tell them?
7: Um, that'll do it. Live stream the event at CharloGreen.com. And I just look forward to connecting with all of you. It was great chatting with
3: us. Thank you, Charlo. And uh, loving it up here in Anchorage, Alaska. I got to tell you.
7: Good. Enjoy your time there.
3: All right. Charlotte Green, everybody. We're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll have time for the uh, Radical Rant. And uh, we're going to go off on what I'm sitting in right now, a cannabis club. And why are the Pacific Northwest and Colorado so afraid of this? It's uh, the most wonderful thing ever. We'll tell you a little bit about it when we come back. You're listening to The Russ Belvel Show live on CannabisRadio.com from Anchorage, Alaska.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
4: How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com.
3: with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at com. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Senator Mark Madsen of Utah. Mark, welcome to the show. Everybody kind of
4: turns a blind eye. They obviously have to go to some other state. Representative Lou Fredericks. We're going to get something on the order of nonviolent Possession offenses.
3: State Representative Kathy Tilton.
4: Where does
7: it go? From
3: it's the Russ Bellville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on
1: CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Bellville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share.
3: Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods.
0: I experimented with
2: marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One
4: major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant.
3: Well, after my last couple of weeks in South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, and Texas, it was sweet relief to touch down in Anchorage, Alaska for this weekend's Northwest Cannabis Classic. Alaska is the only so-called red state to pass marijuana legalization so far. My first order of business was to make my way to 420 West 3rd Avenue, the apropos address of Potluck Events. It's Anchorage's 420 headquarters, a private club that serves as a national model for what a cannabis lounge can be. Aside from the address, though, the public would be hard-pressed to identify the club. It's housed in a nondescript brick warehouse-style building, part of a retail marketplace in the city's downtown. There are no windows, and the entrance is festooned just with a medium-sized sign over reflective tinted glass doors. There are no giant neon pot leaves or blaring stoner imagery to frighten tourists or pearl-clutching pot haters. Inside, you've died and gone to marijuana heaven. The lounge is quite large and open, A huge political sign with a giant two, which was their legalization initiative's number on the 2014 ballot, welcomes you upon entry, signed in black Sharpie by the dozens of activists who helped make legalization happen. After being carded and paying the $5 daily membership fee, or you can get a monthly membership, which is $10 for veterans and patients, or $20 for the public, you enter the lounge. The main floor is generously outfitted with large, plush, comfortable easy chairs. The chairs are arranged in a grid pattern surrounding large wooden coffee tables appointed with silver serving trays and glass goblets that serve as ashtrays. The walls are decorated in some great local art as well as classic reefer madness style anti-marijuana pulp fiction covers from the 1930s. There is a pool table, sets of different board games, and a crystal chess set for entertainment. Bob Marley and Peter Tosh songs play through the in-house stereo system. At the bar, I sat with Teresa Collins, the owner and manager of Potluck Events. We chatted about the incredible upgrade she's made to the club and the difficulty she's faced dealing with local and state regulators. She explained to me, They tried all sorts of ways to shut us down, like with clean air rules and such, so we had to become a private members-only club? Okay. (laughs) She handed me a king-size joint, and as I lit up, she asked if I'd like something to drink. Brandy, a lithe, tattooed bartender, chatted me up as she poured me an ice water, though the menu of drinks includes all types of canned sodas, coffee, tea, and fruit juices. Later, I had Brandy mix me up an Italian soda with pomegranate syrup. And that's when the lady sitting to my right asked Brandy for a shot of Sour Patch Kids. No, it's not some exotic Alaskan drink. She was talking about the sour gummy candies. Because behind Brandy on the bar where you'd expect a rack of liquor bottles in a tavern is a display of glass jars filled with various bulk candies, M&Ms and Skittles and Reese's Pieces and plain gummy bears, and she'll serve you up a two-ounce serving cup for free. Wow. (laughs) And to my left, I chatted with an older gentleman who was wearing an Australian bush hat. His name was Dave, and he's the creator of what he tells me is Alaska's second native cannabis strain. Of course, after the famous Thunderfuck strain, he uh, showed me the inaugural copy of Alaska Leaf magazine. And in the centerfold article was a huge macro bud shot of his award-winning Arctic Blue strain which he was proud to tell me has now been added to Leafly's strain guide. Dave motioned me over to another side of the room where there's a small dab bar set up. He opened up a silicone container and whipped out a slab of Arctic blue concentrate about the size of an Oreo cookie. These kids, God bless them, they come in with their sheets of extract in cases like a pizza oven, he told me. I ain't got the room for that. I just keep packing these containers until I end up with a hockey puck. It's easier to carry. (laughs) <laughs> he was so great Dave and I dabbed along with these two young ladies who were visitors to Alaska and he gave them the instructions on how to hit the dab rig, it's got one of those always on electric titanium nail uh, setups and he caps it with the dome to get the maximum hit, etc man, this place, is friendly people and dabs and couches and reggae and soda and candy and joints the perfect remedy for two weeks in the prohibitionist south can't get any better than this, I thought, but it did. Teresa asked me, have you seen the VIP area? Well, I already felt like quite the VIP, like everyone else getting legally high on the premises. I told her no, and so she pointed me out to the back wall where there's this pillar that reads VIP lounge, and you go through that small entry, and inside, there's a whole second version of what... I'm already enjoying, except even more luxurious. The, the easy chairs are leather. There's a bigger dab bar. There's a big flat screen TV with an Xbox setup. It's actually uh, the stage area, uh, the stage for the main hall, that's been partitioned off by a large projector curtain, and that's running a photo slideshow from all their previous events. So the leather couches and the curtain can be moved, and you can turn that VIP lounge into a performance stage for live bands which they did, Uh, Teresa was bragging to me about her 420 event. She said she had this floor and the floor above, and it was packed like over 500 people. But then she kind of got upset when she told me about how the local news media keep trying to portray the club and legalization in general in a negative light. So she asked the media, you know, why don't you report on our 420 event? Tell us how many wrecks and cannabis DUIs happened from then. A big fat zero was what happened. I came back out of the VIP area and I sat down in the main area on a comfy couch and a middle-aged woman came in and plopped down in the seat near mine. I found out that she works in middle management and had just wrapped up a grueling work day. Soon, she and I were sharing a fat joint of arctic blue that Dave had given me and she was laughing and relaxed. Other hard-working, boot-wearing Alaskan men and women were conversing and sharing around us. And as I looked in the atmosphere, I couldn 't help but think that all of this is a felony in washington state a felony a club like this would be a felony <laughs> and and in Oregon it would be a huge stack of Clean Air Act violations and fines that would put your cannabis club out of business and in Colorado they still don 't have them although denver's got uh, Denver normal has put together a citizen initiative to try to put these together and keep in mind that in this pot lounge, we're talking about no alcohol here and they're not giving, they're not selling pot to people. It's it's a bring your own bud kind of situation. They're providing a place for people to hang out that's clean and friendly and safe and lit and has cameras and everything's fine and you know, secure here. Everybody's ID'd when they come in. Everybody's a, a private club member. And it's just a place for us to be able to enjoy each other's company. And I noticed many people today uh, catching cabs after uh, being here, leaving the premises in a cab. So we're not putting anyone in danger. And I just can't help but think that why in the hell are the newly legalized states afraid of pot lounges? What good is it to recognize the right of adults to use a substance safer than alcohol but then give them no place to gather and enjoy that right. And it's especially ludicrous when we give the public those places for alcohol, and we know it leads to drunk driving, fights, and public puking. There's no good reason, but the only logical reason is one of bigotry. It's one of canna bigotry, of the idea that we're doing something immoral or wrong or dirty, or evil, and it can't be countenanced. It's this idea that legalization is just deciding that we don't want to lock people up, but my goodness, we can't approve of it. We can't We can't give it any imprimatur of decent social behavior. It has to still be stigmatized. It has to still be demonized. And I'm here to tell you that there's no reason for that to occur anymore, and that continuing to do so just will continue to foster the worst parts of marijuana prohibition that we want to see ended. We don't want to see uh, situations where people are toking up in the public parks or on the public streets. But if you give tourists and renters no place to be able to use their cannabis, they're going to do those things. They're going to sneak off in the alleys. They're going to do the same sort of surreptitious behavior in using their cannabis as they always have under prohibition. It's time to end this bigotry and time for us to recognize that it's okay, that adults can be adults. And if we've recognized that they can have cigar bars and alcohol bars, there's no reason to deny marijuana bars. And in having marijuana bars, you would actually, from a public safety perspective, make it a better place. You would... End a lot of the public toking. You would have people being able to learn from other cannabis consumers about responsible use. You would be able to foster a better sense of community and cooperation with the local authorities as well as the local governments. And there's no reason these can't benefit our society as well. They're not even talking about being able to sell the stuff. They're just talking about having a private place where people can use the stuff. And it seems to me... This society should mature to the point where we can recognize that if a state has gone to the trouble of asking its voters to end the criminal prohibition on marijuana, then it's time to start treating the people who use marijuana with the same rights, responsibilities and respect that we give to alcohol and tobacco consumers. Well, folks, I'm Radical Russ, live here from Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, that's all the time we got for today. No hour two for today's show because we have preparations for an event happening uh, at a pizza parlor here. Uh, another event that's taking place for the Northwest Cannabis Classic. I'll be emceeing the Northwest Cannabis Classic over the next couple of days. Got my presentation on marijuana and civil liberties, and I'm hosting. I'm the host of the events show, the uh, the uh, award show, I should say, at the end of the event. For everyone here at Potluck Events in Anchorage, Alaska and CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Russ Bellville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seat,
7: you plan it, you grow it, you it, you roll it, you score it. You take a
5: seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it and it goes down
0: to earth.